days. I want you to think about a time in your life. Think about a time in your life where somebody, either in your presence, to you directly, or about you, or maybe you heard about it afterward, like somebody said something about you to somebody else that was praise for you. Let me define it a little bit more. So like somebody said something nice about one of your qualities. Somebody said something kind about something you had done for them. Somebody praised you either to your face or behind your back. How many of you know it's nice to be praised behind your back rather than torn down behind your back, right? The truth is this. For some of us, thinking about that that moment is hard to do because we grew up in a place where we had lots of praise. And so there may not be one or two moments that stick out to us. But the truth is also this. Some of us, if we think about those moments, there might be one or two of those moments that stick out to us because we didn't grow up with a lot of praise. And so th- those moments were, were pivotal to our lives. They were, they were something we can easily remember because we didn't get a lot of it. And for some of us, the truth is this. We can't even pinpoint a time where we were praised. Because maybe we grew up in an atmosphere where we weren't praised, but we were torn down. This morning, I want to talk about the power of praise in our lives, because the truth is this, every one of us likes praise. We like to be praised for the things that we do, the things that we are. Now, some of you might say, I'm really uncomfortable with that public praise. And I would argue that if you're uncomfortable with it, or you don't like it, something is wrong. You're like, oh, pastor, something wrong. No, just like, hear me out for a second. If you don't like praise, it's probably because somebody didn't praise you or somebody praised you publicly and it was embarrassing or somebody manipulated that praise because people can do that to get something from us. But the truth is this, deep down, fundamentally, we all would like to be genuinely appreciated and praised for who we are. It's almost like God built this thing into us that we were made for praise, Scripture is full of admonitions and encouragements about praise. Because the truth is this, we can get praise from people and we can get praise from God. And God's encouragement, God's admonition, God's warning to us is to be people who value his praise over the praises of people. But we will work for it. How many of you in your job at one point your, your, your boss, for better or for worse, said, hey, I really like this, and like that was such a motivation and encouragement to you, you're like, you'll keep working for it. You'll keep going at it. That just reflects the nature of us as human beings being made for praise. You and I, we're going to discover this morning, we're made for praise, and we're going to see the power as we look at scripture, of praise in our life because of what God has made it for us. So let's look at some scripture this morning and let's talk about praise. We're continuing in a series that, and it wasn't intended to be a series when we started it, that looks at what we are made for. So we talked about being made for rest and we talked about being made for peace. This morning we're going to talk about how God has literally made us, shaped us, formed us, and intended us for praise. But if we're going to talk about praise, let's first talk about what it is. Because a lot of people throw around the words praise and worship. And they're two different things. 
So just by way of definition or of understanding of what we're talking about this morning, let's talk about what praise is and let's talk about what worship is. Praise is this. Praise is an expression of joy. It's an expression of adoration. It's an expression of thanksgiving, an expression of an overflowing love or gratitude. When it's in reference to God, it's for our Creator, for our Father, for our Savior, for our Lord. Praise is an explosion of worship. It can involve clapping, it can involve shouting, it can involve exclamations, it can involve writing, it can involve singing, it can involve dancing. It can involve prayer. It can even involve tambourines and shofars. If you don't know what a shofar is, it's sometimes in services, people will pull out one of those big horn things and just blow it. Now, there's authorized tambourine use and there's unauthorized tambourine use. But that's for a whole other sermon. But praise is, is, is this place where we just unleash those those feelings of joy or adoration or thanksgiving to the lord around us or to to those around us or to the lord sometimes it's easy and sometimes it takes work we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning but praise is literally a form of worship but here's the thing it is not always worship why because you can give praise to people and you can also give praise to god and that's completely okay Do you know it's okay to give praise to people and even to receive praise from people for what God is doing in you and through you for them? It's okay. Praise is not exclusive unto the Lord, although it should be given to the Lord, and we're going to talk about that. The difference with worship is this. Worship is reserved only for the Lord. Now, the truth is this. You can worship other things, right? Just like you can praise things other than God, you can worship other things besides the Lord. But we ought not to do that. God is okay with us giving our praise to him and to others. But when it comes to our worship, it belongs solely and only to the Lord. Because worship is an adoration and a reverence reserved only for God. Now why is praise so important? I believe praise is so important. And it's so pertinent to where we're at right now in the earth. Because praise is a dividing line for us. We're going to see that in scripture, but I just want to think about it in context of our culture today. What we praise matters, and what we praise defines us in the eyes of other people. And I'll just kind of paint it this way. There's two things that people are saying right now that are acronyms that, depending on which side you fall on, determines what you praise, and I'll explain it. It's BLM and MAGA. Black Lives Matter and make America great again, are phrases that are wrapped up in an ideology of praise for one group or another group. And I don't want to get into the politics of it, but it's absolutely dividing. Where we stand on those phrases, our giving of praise, matters to the people around us. It divides us as a people. Now that's just in political realms. But what we give praise to and who we give praise to and how we use our praise is a dividing line for human beings. I'm going to show you that in Scripture. The first is is in Matthew. If you turn with me in your Bibles, excuse me, the first is in Luke. In Luke chapter 19, we have a record of Jesus 
going into Jerusalem for that last time. He's about to go through the triumphal entry, his last week with his disciples, and then go to the cross, and ultimately his resurrection and ascension into heaven. But in the beginning of that, here's what it says. Luke chapter 19, verse 37. We see that praise of Jesus is offensive. It says, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives... In other words, it's the the last kind of hill before you get to Jerusalem. So you get to the Mount of Olives, and you look, and you can see Jerusalem. So he's, he's got it in view, and the people see what's happening, and it says this, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest heaven. In other words, the people were recognizing because Scripture says what they had seen, what they had experienced, was worthy of praise. And so they started to just shout in praise to God for what they were seeing and what they had witnessed. But it says the religious leaders, it says some of the Pharisees among the crowd came to Jesus and they said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. The praise of the people, and we would say the appropriate praise of the people for Jesus, was a dividing line. What they were willing to give their praise to divided them from other people. And what did Jesus have to say about it? Jesus said this, but he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones on the road would burst into cheers. In the message version it says this, if they kept quiet, the stones would do it for them, shouting their praise. In other words, you and I as human beings, we are made to recognize what God is doing among us and give our voice in praise to it. In the same vein or in the same time period as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, Scripture says that he went to the temple and he cleared it out. He had something to say about the way that people were worshiping and were praising God. And in Matthew chapter 21, we have a, 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 an account, a reference, a report of what happened with Jesus. It says this in verse 14, the blind and the lame came to the, him in the temple and he healed them. In other words, he, he throws everybody else out and then he starts to do what this place of God's presence is for. And the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law, these people who had a, 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 a thought about what praise should look like, came and they saw these wonderful miracles and even heard the children in the temple so they saw it with their own eyes it's not like they could dismiss it they saw the wonderful miracles of God performed through God himself Jesus Christ and it should have resulted in praise but what did they say they heard the children in the temple shouting praise God for the son of David And they didn't join in, and not only did they not join in, and not only did they just stand far off with their arms crossed, but they did what happens so often in our culture today. When somebody gives praise to something and we're on the other side, they got indignant. They weren't just ticked off. They weren't just put out. They weren't just like, well, that's you, and you do you, and I'll do me. They were indignant. That means really, 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 really angry. You ever been indignant before? Like, there is no changing your mind. They were indignant to what they saw. The praise that they saw was a dividing line. And what did Jesus say? They said, do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus said, 
Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. In other words, God has made us from our very young age to learn how to praise the Lord. Scripture in other versions say God has called forth praise from children and infants. God has prepared praise in the mouths of little ones. God has furnished a place for it. He's created in, a, in our very nature from the minute that we are born this ability for us to have the praise of God worked within us. He has, he, multiple versions say this, he has perfected praise. I don't know about you, but when God perfects something, that's pretty good. God has perfected praise in children. Maybe there's a reason why God perfects praise in the mouths of children. I don't know, but I'll just share my thoughts with you. Maybe it's because praise for children is easily given. As adults, we're really good with withholding praise. We do it with our kids all the time. They do something great, but we don't see what they've done great. We see the other stuff that they're doing not so great, and we won't use our lips to praise what is good. We're picky and we're choosy with it. We categorize people into good or bad, and so we can't see the good stuff. We can't give our lips to it. How many of you have been guilty, don't raise your hand, of withholding praise for people that deserve it? Not just our children, but even people around us. Maybe God perfected praise in children because it doesn't, they just shout it out, right? One of my children loves breakfast burritos. Do you know there's a breakfast burrito song? <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too good for you. I sing too much for you guys. It's gotten way too easy. There's a breakfast burrito song, but my, 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 my son, okay, so I gave it away. One of my children, one of my sons love breakfast burritos. If Every day, what's for breakfast? Can I have a breakfast burrito? When I say there's breakfast, he's like, breakfast burrito! Like there's a song of praise on his lips for the burrito. Now I gotta say, I make pretty good breakfast burritos. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give a shout out to Aaliyah because she asked me to do it. When you live in the pastor's house, you either get talked about intentionally or unintentionally. She asked me to talk about her intentionally. So shout out to Aaliyah who's watching right now. She's had my breakfast burrito. She had one this week and she was bowled over. So maybe there's a reason for a good breakfast burrito. Aaliyah, we love you. We're glad that you're staying with us. We'll get you another breakfast burrito. That was your shout out. But, but you see, like kids, it's easy for them to just praise for what, they, what they're experiencing. Maybe God has perfected praise because it comes, it's easily given. Maybe that he's perfected praise in children because it comes from the heart. It's not a learned behavior. It's not like, well, I'll, I'll just watch other people praise and then I'll just mimic it. No, it's literally like when something's good and you like it and you're a little kid, you just say, I like it. Sounds good to me. It's like my daughter, Daddy, you're the best story reader in the world. I don't think she's doing that to manipulate me. You might think otherwise. But that certainly gets a lot more stories. Right? 
Do you see what I'm saying? It, it just, it, it's something that's not learned. It just comes out of their mouths. Maybe God has perfected praise in the mouths of children to teach us something because children are not concerned with who hears them. And every parent who has had a child throw a fit in the cereal aisle because all they want is that cereal. Do you know that's a form of praise? I want Captain Crunch. I want Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch is the best thing in the world. Please give me Captain Crunch. Dad, if you give me Captain Crunch, I'll do anything, anything, anything. At the... That's a form of praise. But kids don't care who hears them. Maybe God is teaching us something. He's perfecting praise because he wants us to not care who hears around us. How many times have we remained silent about something about the Lord or something else we should speak up about because we're afraid of who's going to hear us and what they're going to think? God has perfected praise in the mouths of children because they're not concerned with who hears. And maybe, maybe God has perfected praise in the mouths of children because children, when they're born, they learn quickly, but when they're born, they're not duplicitous with their praise. What do I mean? They don't use their praise to manipulate and to get something. We're really good at that. We're really, not that you shouldn't do it, but you shouldn't do it to get something. And maybe God has perfected praise in the mouths of children because they just want to praise their dad or their mom or their teacher. They just want to talk about what's great without trying to manipulate or get something else. Now, kids do learn that, right? But maybe he's perfected praising them and we can learn something from it because we're not just saying things. to We're not coming into this place or in our lives just anytime we need something. God, I love you. What, what is a person who gives love and praise and adoration to get something called? Maybe it's a time, not maybe. It is a time for transformation among the people of God. God has perfected praise in children. He's giving us a child, he, he is working in us a childlike attitude when it comes to praise. Why? Because it's his plan and his purpose for the world. God has made a people of praise for himself. I'll show you in scripture, Ephesians chapter one, verses 12 through 14. Ephesians chapter one. This is Paul writing to the Ephesian believers what God's plan was for the world. What God was up to in Jesus and in, in describing God's plan for the world in Christ, here's what he writes. He says, God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would do what? Bring praise and glory to God. In other words, J Paul, who is a Jew, is writing to non-Jewish believers about God's plan. And he's writing about how God is taking Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers and he's forming them into one new person who will worship the Lord. But he's saying, listen, God's plan and his purpose was first to the Jews, but in first to the Jews, what was the outcome? The outcome was that they would bring praise to his name. And then he says this, and now you Gentiles... That's all of us who are not Jewish by heritage or by birth. He says to you Gentiles, you have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. And God's Spirit is the guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. But why did he do it? This is his plan. This is the power of his plan. This is in sending the Holy Spirit to give us that promise of that inheritance. Why did he do it? Why? It says it right here. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Praise 
is the outcome of God's plan in our lives. And it's the result of God's work among us. And I would say this, it's literally proof of his presence. Do you want to know that the Holy Spirit's walking in you? One of the ways you can see evidence of it is if we are a people who praise the Lord. My guess is if praise is hard for us, we have missed something in relationship with God. We have walked away from our, our, the grace that comes through Jesus Christ, or we have walked away from our first love. We have made our relationship with God about works when praise is difficult. But when praise is not difficult, when it comes to us and we are a people of praise, it's because we are fulfilling the call of God on our lives, that he worked in saving us and bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ and filling us with his Holy Spirit. Do you want to know if God is among us? Do you want to know if the Holy Spirit is working among us? How do we know? We know because we can't help but be filled with praise to the Lord. In fact, it's not just what's happening right now, but it's what's going to happen in the future. Look with me in your Bibles to Revelation. It's a a picture, we're going to read a picture of what's happening in the presence of God. Now, Revelation as a book is something that many people study because they want to know what's happening in the future. And I would say that's not a great framework for that book. I don't believe that the book of Revelation was given to us just so we can study who's the Antichrist and who's not the Antichrist and what, what the timeline's going to be and when is the beast coming and who's the beast and, and, and what, who's the false prophet and if we're doing digital banking, are we really giving our lives over to Satan? I don't believe that's why God gave us the book of Revelation. In fact, I believe Jesus is very clear about it because he's very clear about the stuff that he wants us to understand. And in Revelation chapter 19, as John is getting this vision that we're about to read, he is so overcome with what he sees in the revelation of who Jesus Christ is that he begins to bow down and worship the angel that's in front of him. And the angel speaks to John and says in verse 10 of chapter 19, don't worship me for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus, or another version says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, the reason why we have this book, the reason why this prophecy and this vision was given to John was so that we would have testimony of who Jesus is. Revelation is not a book just telling us, revealing the future to us. Revelation is a book that reveals Jesus Christ in his glory. It reveals Jesus Christ in his nature as warrior, as king who is coming to establish his kingdom, to bring justice with him. It reveals him as the lamb who was slain, who is now a powerful and a mighty warrior riding on a horse, coming to bring his kingdom to you and to me. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And in this revelation of Jesus Christ, in this picture of what's happening in heaven, in the presence of God, we read in chapter 19 of Revelation, starting in verse 1, John writes this, After this I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting. What did he, what did he hear? You're going to see this phrase over and over again. I encourage you as I read it to read it with me. He said, praise the Lord. Add your voice to it. He hears them say, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who has corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again, their voices rang out. Praise the Lord. 
The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshipped God who was sitting on the throne. And they cried out, Amen, praise the Lord. All of heaven, including the elders, including the four beasts, are before the Lord shouting his praise. And then I heard a voice. From the throne came a voice that said, and I believe that voice from the throne was the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit for the future, but it's his voice for us now. He's saying what? Praise the Lord. What is the Holy Spirit working in our lives? He's working to tell us, praise the Lord, to encourage us to praise the Lord, to lead us to praise the Lord. Why? Because he's doing it even in heaven. And it says this, all his servants, all who fear him, from the least to the greatest, And then I heard again what sounded like a shout from the vast crowd or the roar of the mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord. When the Holy Spirit speaks and moves and says, listen, it's time to praise the Lord. What is the response of all creation? The response of all creation to the voice of the Lord is to heed it. And they all shout together, praise the Lord. This is God's intention. This is his purpose for us. This is what he created us for. For the Lord is our God, the Almighty, and he reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. And so if this is what we're born for, if this is what we're born again for, this is God's plan for you and for me, let's talk really fast about what praise is for. First is this, praise is how we enter his presence. Psalm 100, 1 through 5 says this, Make a joyful shout to the Lord. All you lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This is what he has created us for. And what should we do with it? We should enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is how we approach God. Have you ever gone to court? What should happen in court? The rule and the authority of the land should be enforced. Justice should be granted. Now, I know you all have a story about your time in traffic court, and it was unjust. I get it. But what should happen in the courts of our God? What does happen in the courts of our God? Justice is administrated. Listen, if we are going through times in our lives where we just don't know what to do, where we need God in a way that supersedes the experiences that we are in if we need the presence of God how do we enter his presence we enter by simply praising him we enter into his courts we come into the place of judgment before the Lord and guess what you and I don't get justice in his courts we get mercy we get love we get set free we get freedom and joy that we don't deserve that he purchased for us in that courtroom we are well represented by the blood of God and we enter into that place and a recognition of that place we make it the reality of what's happening around us by starting with praise when we are overwhelmed praise when we're in need praise when we feel distant from his presence praise we come into his courts with praise that's how we approach him number two is this praise is the response to God's grace in our lives Ephesians 1 6 says so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son listen we don't get to come into his courts on our own 
We don't come into his courts with praise and then he, he has to do or perform for us. We come into his courts and he does mighty things for us because of the grace of Jesus Christ that has brought us in. And so we don't come in with, well, I deserve. Or we don't come in with, well, what have you done for me lately, God? We come in with praise because it is the response for what he's done for us. Number three, praise requires expressions of understanding. In other words, it's an act of the will. If the worship team could come. Ephesians 1.6 says, so we praise... Sorry, if 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is writing to the uh, Corinthian believers because they don't understand how to do this worship thing. And there's a bunch of people speaking in other tongues and, and there's not a lot of understanding of what's happening. Now, we're a Pentecostal church. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe that when we speak in tongues, we utter the praises of God just like we read in the books of Acts. But Paul is saying, listen, that's good and that's okay, but it's important that when you gather together and you're singing the praise of God, that it's an act of the will and it involves understanding. In other words, we should be singing in English so that people around us can hear the wonderful praises of God. Why did God choose to use tongues in the book of Acts because there were people from all over the world who, didn't, who would hear the praises of God in a language that they understood. We are called to, to, to make it part of our life. So we can't just remain silent. We can't just say, well, I'm here so people know that I'm praising God. How we praise God and whether or not we give our voice to it matters to those around us. And our silence robs people of the encouragement to do what they are created for. When we will not give our praise to the Lord, we rob the earth of the voice that God has given us. And so he says, for you praise God only in the Spirit. How can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? Let's give praise to the Lord in the spirit and in English. Because praise is an act of the will. How many of you woke up at 4 a.m. this morning and said, yes, today, church, woo, praise. Sometimes we don't feel like it, right? Well, I'm just being true to myself. I'm just being genuine and authentic. So if I don't feel like praising, I'm not gonna do it. No, why is scripture full of commands to praise the Lord. If you look up praise the Lord in scripture, most of it has to do with a command to praise the Lord. It's like the scripture that we opened with this morning. We're telling ourselves or we're telling other people, praise the Lord. It's an act of the will. You don't have to work it up. He's worthy whether you worked it up or not. He's worthy whether you feel it or not. So it really isn't inauthentic to praise him because he's always worthy of that praise. It's just more authentic to become what God has called us to be and by an act of the will enter into the chorus of heaven that is praising him. Do you understand what I'm saying? We choose to do it. And we enter into the purpose that God has called us to. And the last is this. Praise can be costly. Takes us right back to where we started. What we praise is a dividing line. And many of us are ashamed to praise the Lord with exuberance. We're ashamed to praise the Lord with shouts and with claps and with dancing because it just wouldn't look very dignified. 
or what would people think about us? We become too grown up in our praise and not childlike enough in our praise. The writer of Hebrews encourages us with this scripture. Hebrews 13, verses 13 and 15. So let us go out to him, Jesus, outside of the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home and we're looking forward to a home yet to come. We are not people of this earth. We're God's people. And as God's people, we're going to live how God has created us to live. And it says this, Let us therefore, through Jesus, continue, offer continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Sometimes praise is a sacrifice. Sometimes it costs us something in intentionality or in energy or of will. But it's what we're created to do. And if he was willing to bear disgrace and shame, why wouldn't we be willing to bear that cost as well? Because it's what we are created for. We're going to respond with a song of praise to our God right now. I encourage you, make it an act of the will. Don't just do it because it's the end of service and it's what you're supposed to do or because people are watching or because they're not watching. Make it an act of your will in recognition that God has created us for praise. And let's give it everything we got. I am encouraging you this morning. Praise the Lord. Enter into the chorus of heaven and praise the Lord. Recognize that God has made you for his praise and praise the Lord. Recognize that God has given you breath and words and a mouth so that you can use it to bring praise to his name. Recognize that it is he who is worthy. Let it come from your heart of gratitude and thanksgiving for what he has done for you because it is the response to the presence of God among us. Let's praise the Lord. Sing you give life. Not, one, of the, one of the things, we, the reasons why we do communion, Paul says when he wrote to the Corinthian believers about how to do this, was that in celebrating the Lord's Supper, we proclaim his death until he comes again. So it's literally a praise. We're declaring what it is that he has done for us that has brought us into his presence. What it is that he has done for us that has made new covenant. What he has done for us in his body to bring healing and restoration to our lives. It's a declaration of praise. And so we're going to celebrate it this morning. If you want to go ahead and take your communion cup, peel the clear one first. It's just easier. You won't spill as easy. And grab your bread and grab your juice. If you're at home with us, grab your elements. You can celebrate with us. We are celebrating and declaring this morning what he has done. We are praising him in this supper, in the Lord's Supper, in the Lord's table, in communion. We are praising him for what he has done. We celebrate an open communion here, which simply means this. If you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to celebrate with us. Paul says that Jesus on the night he was betrayed took the bread and he broke it. He gave thanks for it and he praised God for it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. He took the cup after supper and he gave thanks for it in the same way. He praised God for it. He said, this cup represents my blood, a new covenant established in my blood, a new agreement. Do these things, take these things, 
eat these things, drink together, to remember what I've done, to declare what I've done. Jesus, we're here before you today, not only to remember, but to declare, to praise you for what you have done. Your body, which was broken for us, to bring healing and restoration. Your blood, which was shed, to establish a new covenant forever. Your blood that washes us clean. Your blood that sets us apart. Your blood that gives us mercy and grace before your throne. We recognize and remember and celebrate and declare your death on our behalf until you come again. And we say together, thank you. And we praise you for your faithfulness to us and your sacrifice on our behalf. Let's eat the bread and drink together. When you're finished, if you just hold on to your cup, there'll be a garbage in the back. You can throw it out on your way out. Jake's coming now to close us, but let me just encourage you with this. I pray that what Jesus has done for you and what we have experienced here today would be the spark of a revolution of praise, that we would be so filled with the praise of God that we, everywhere we're going, we're declaring it, and we would look like lunatics to the world because we're so connected with heaven. God bless you as you become and grow into the people of praise that God has made us to be. Amen. Come on, come on. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. One more shout of praise. Come on, make it the loudest.